strangers and residents of the domed city of Corinth, welcome to the Sentai Truther Club. I'm your host, Grav, and with me is my favorite NB, Kennedy. Aw. I know you say it every week, but just saying aw this week. You know, favorite NB <laughs> is a recent development, I think, in the Truther Club lore. I think I started saying that maybe the past, like, couple of weeks. Yeah, four, <laughs> four weeks ago or something? I don't know. It's been longer than that, though. I've held that opinion. <laughs> <laughs> and today we have a very special guest, friend of the show, Leslie Lee from Struggle Session. How are you doing, Leslie? I'm doing great. Thank you so much uh, for having me uh, back. We did record a shadow uh, episode, but sadly it was lost in the great calamity and uh, was not able to be brought into the dome city of Corinth. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Jesus. It's still out there in the desert, they say, somewhere. <laughs> you, I think I can already tell. Next to a single blooming flower. <laughs> I mean, I think I could already tell just from your tone, like you were quite fascinated from RPM, huh? Yes, very, very much so. <laughs> I had no idea something like this existed, but I liked Either. it a lot. Yeah, I had a wild and interesting and kind of very good time. Um, but let's uh, let's do this right before we get into that. Leslie, what is your experience with the Power Rangers? So I was a big, big, big uh, Power Rangers fan as a kid. I think it came out, uh, the original series came out right at that perfect age. I was in like uh, maybe fifth or sixth grade. I would come home every day and watch it. Uh, watch it after school. I, I guess at first it was in the mornings, I think, and then it was after school, but I would watch it every single day. I was so into it. I loved the Power Rangers so god uh, damn much as a kid. But after the originals, I really just didn't get, I wasn't that into it. Power Rangers, I felt like, wasn't really type of media that can kind of grow with you as much as comic books uh, can. If you get into the Batman cartoons, then you can go and start reading like Alan Moore and Frank Miller and shit. But with Power Rangers is just like more Power Rangers still aimed at, you know, from four year olds to 11 year olds. So I kind of aged out of it uh, very quickly. You're so lucky that you were a Batman fan as a kid. I was struggling. I had I was Superman and uh, I'm like Superman oh, no. Taz, Superman Taz, so good. And then uh, I'm like Superman sixty four. There's no way this game could be bad. What? It's two of my favorite things. My dad <laughs> like made it a point on release day to get that game for me. Oh no. And oh, like no. I, my parents were already separated at that time. So this was like precious like I mean, this, this doesn't help anything at all. This didn't help at all. I guess. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I'm like Superman 64. Yeah. And then I get immediately scared because Lex Luthor goes, ha ha. Because ha. <laughs> I'm I'm like five <laughs> or six, dude. Yeah, it's crazy time. I'm just times. imagining that when people ask you, you know, what was the hardest part about your parents splitting up as a kid? You're just like, mm, Superman 64 for <laughs> sure. That was I definitely the worst part. <laughs> I, I created like awkward moments like that when I was a kid. <laughs> like, uh, you know, like the Kim Kardashian meme of like, I am heavily hinting at something. And then she's just like, I want this or basically, right? That's the gist of the meme. <laughs> Yeah. I was literally like 
Tarzan comes out of VHS around my birthday. That's crazy. And I was doing that to both of my parents. So then they both got me Tarzan. And they were they said to me, they're like, wait, did you ask this from both of us? And I was like, I don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> this is well, one of those times where I think the source material has deviated so far. <laughs> yeah, you were talking about a Power Rangers that grew up with you a little bit in terms of maturity. Well, the Power Rangers never reliably, like from season to season, you don't know. Like they might just yes. be like, oh, it's for six year olds this time. Sorry. <laughs> you know, but then RPM, this is like the most mature season maybe ever, at least from the intro. This was wild. Yeah, I was shocked because I felt like I was watching like a Paul W.S. Anderson movie. Like straight up, like it seemed, it felt, it feels like Paul W.S. Anderson a You're lot, right. <laughs> which is, of course, you know, using a bit of George Miller and filter, mm -hmm. filtering it down and kind of new mailing it up. But uh, there's also some, a lot of so Terminator in mm -hmm. this as well. And a couple other things, a Matrix, it feels like as well, is kind of like embedded in here a little. I mean, it's just. It's a really like just a big mashup of a lot of different sci-fi tropes that seems taken very seriously by people who know what at least the at least know sci-fi movies very inside and out. Uh, the people who made this uh, this show and it 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 looks good. The action scenes they're not. I mean, they're still Power Ranger action scenes, but they're still kind of cool. And the cinematography is actually kind of good in some of the episodes and some of the shots. And I if I wish the only problem with this show really is that it had to be Power Rangers. If this was just like a ninety minute like action adventure sci-fi movie aimed maybe at a slightly older audience whatever i if this was some sort of original ip like we would still be like oh man that movie was fucking tight we were like we would talk about <laughs> it it would be like one of those like singular movies like the matrix or something you know if they were able to do like their own original 90 minute thing i'm glad you felt that way because i was kind of pogging when we were watching it and I was like, I really hope, uh, I really hope Leslie had a good time with this, <laughs> and that we can we can agree about this because I thought there was some real cinematic elements. And this is also kind of interesting because last season, although it wasn't perfect, um, did bring up the bar on the cinematography. And I noted this, uh, and I kind of noted this in part because I was curious: will they do something with this? Because the last season of Power Rangers before this. Jungle Fury. I could not think of the name for a We've watched so many seasons of Power Rangers that even though we just watched that one, I'm just like, Ninja Jungle. Fury Storm. <laughs> it's just like it's some combination of these words. Uh, Jungle Fury. <laughs> like, Jungle Fury, they really up the cinematic bar a lot. And it seems like they are immediately putting that to use here. Whatever they learned that last season, they did not instantly forget it. Thank goodness. Um... <laughs> And uh, they're, it, I don't know, it's just, it's so interesting and different and wild. And uh, yeah, it's like, I've watched Marvel shows 
that felt lower stakes than this. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, because for real, like, this is a show uh, straight up where people die. People have guns. People get shot. And you get straight up. You get straight up murdered. The first thing we see is the general, like, saying that all right close the door leave my sons out there to die like it takes it 100 percent as seriously as mad max you know like and i really really like was shocked to see it and it made me feel you know when you heard about the original um japanese versions of all the of all these uh ranger type shows and they were always darker and people actually died in them i remember reading magazines like oh man that sounds so fucking cool why we get like the baby version of it this felt like you were actually getting the adult version in english yeah, yeah i you know i i i was watching it and i was trying to put a name to it i was like i feel like i know who like the the director of this show was imitating but i couldn't quite put the name to it when you said paul s anderson i was like man that was the nail on the head <laughs> mm -hmm. it is very crazy because we're on we're right now the the context in which rpm came out was like disney is on the verge of like just straight up not doing power rangers anymore and potentially selling off the property so like people are like going for like last grabs of like okay if we do it better, if the ratings improve this time, please, please, please give us another season, right? So Jungle Fury kind of like did well enough for there to be another season and for them to take that financial risk. But it was kind of like, this is a do or die moment. So when this came out, they were really trying to go for, we're going to go for something completely different, but we think we can still integrate the Sentai footage too. And there was already an upward trend on the violence because in Jungle Fury, they didn't say kill because you can't for a kid's show, but they talked about destroying people and like not wanting to be destroyed and maybe what happens after you're destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And like villains wouldn't come back in the last season. Like they, <laughs> they did a lot of fake outs in previous seasons, but in the last season they were just straight up like, nah, that, that person's gone. Very little fake out. Even um, Master Mao at the end, they kind of make you think for a second he's coming back to life. But it's actually just like a his soul is freed from like the cycle of this bullshit kind of thing. And actually, he's still dead at the end. So they really they didn't pull the punches. So they, they were kind of definitely leaning in that direction. But yeah, this is on a totally different level. From the very beginning, we get this explanation, this like exposition to set things off that is very like that like Terminator action movie style like you know escape from new york here is like how things got to be this bad you know yeah, <laughs> yeah. it's very classic and it's kind of cool it reminded me a bit of uh i have no mouth and i must and i must scream the harlan mm. ellison story because it's just like an ai who takes over because it's insane apparently and just hates humans so much when the matrix or the ai is is just a product of a war that we started but this ai just hates us so much it was a lot scarier yeah yeah and that i mean that's a little bit of the vengex feeling for sure this they don't even this, Evil AI say, just looks like Hal, first of all. <laughs> I'm going to jump yeah. ahead slightly because I just can't, I can't contain myself on this. It looks like Hal, and it's just like, yes, the humans are filth. 
we will destroy them and step upon their bones. <laughs> like, yeah. And they were, they kind of had the balls to like, not even show the appearance of the villain in the beginning. It's kind of like when you get your first dose of Sentai footage that you're like, Oh yeah. Like there is the main villain. Right. But like in the first half of the episode, you're just kind of like, Oh, there's just this like ultra powerful robot AI that's seemingly one. They and keep you in suspense about a bunch of things and in the dark about a number of things that are very unusual. Yeah. And it kind of works because it builds this feeling of like, what is going on? How desperate is this? What is ha Oh my God. Like you're really starting to wonder what hope is there for this terrible situation because they're not really giving you any at first. And the things that they're hinting at in terms of what's going on that are bad are so like ominous and menacing and shadowy yeah and it, it seems like it's in like a it is in an alternate timeline i believe is what disney says so it, this might be a timeline where the power rangers never existed until now you know and with playing around with that thinking honestly the way they depict this post-apocalyptic <laughs> city it's just kind of like yeah, dog, like climate, this is exactly the world that climate change is going to give us if we don't <laughs> fucking do something about it, right? Like, it looks like that entirely. Like, the defeatism is like all around it. Yeah. <laughs> so basically, all right. Yeah, it doesn't see because it, it seems like the only thing they have to look forward to is just survival, is just staying in that cube. It's not like they're taking the fight to them it's like no you you're if you're power rangers you're just like the last line of defense against the total destruction of humanity yeah there's no plan to take back the earth at the beginning at all in these first three episodes period like that is not discussed the goal is just can we all not die maybe can we keep the billionaire's children alive and playing on the grass <laughs> <laughs> as we've been kind of getting into Benjix is leading this army of robots. The robots have basically won the war against humanity, and all that's left is this huge domed city of Corinth. And it is, the way it's shown on the map, it is implied to be, like, very large, like the size of a small state in the Northeast or something, even. <laughs> but that's it. And the plan is, like, they're putting up the shield today, and they've been broadcasting this message, come to this location, by this date, this is your last chance. It's like the stand. <laughs> <laughs> so some different folks are like trying to get in. We meet a number of characters right away. We meet uh, Colonel Mason Truman, who is this sort of military person who seems to be in charge of everything, even though he's just a colonel. Apparently it's that bad. And um, <laughs> it's just like... Uh, really chaotic scene and uh, we also meet a few of the rangers right away in these opening moments um we meet flynn the blue ranger he drives a busload of people in the colonel is like oh you got these people in yourself hmm you seem like a lad with potential <laughs> let's he's get like you a in. british let's get car mechanic <laughs> <laughs> yeah. he's, i think he's scottish and yeah, yeah, right. He's just like the Scottish car mechanic. He's very cheeky. <laughs> <laughs> they were and, like, uh, Listen, we love your acting skills. Don't worry about the accent. We'll write oh. it in. 
We'll write it in. Listen, it's like, I, I think they're just trying to finally get around that. And actually, this is what they needed to do from the beginning of hiring these really, like, international casts is plots like this. Because now it's like all of the remains of humanity fled to one place. We don't even specify where in the world that is. It could be the United States. It could be Europe. It could be Africa. It could be Asia. We don't know. So uh, all of humanity fled to one place. So, like, if it's people who seem to be from a bunch of different places, we don't have to explain that this time. <laughs> we're not trying to claim that they all live in Southern California and were <laughs> born there, even though they clearly <laughs> were not and have uh, thick Australian accents. <laughs> <laughs> So I think actually, like they made it work this time with that, and I, that's that was a good call. So Flynn is clearly going to be a Power Ranger. He's the Blue Ranger, um, and then shortly after that, we meet um, Scott and Summer. Um, Scott being one of the Colonel's sons. So, um, like Leslie was mentioning, the Colonel's like, "Shut the doors if my sons are out there. I guess it is what it is." Um, but one of his sons makes it in, Scott with Summer, um, who is an amazing motorcycle driver and apparently saved him after, it seems like probably his plane was shot down. They don't quite explain, but that's the implication. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, they don't see, he, he, he's just like, oh yeah, he didn't make it. And then the dad is just like, well, back to work. <laughs> like, yeah. He, he like gives a specific no reaction. So you immediately get that the Red Ranger has some daddy issues that He's has to work out over the uh, series, I guess. That's what happens when you resign yourself to capitalism at the end times. <laughs> like, it, it's just the way this is all filmed. I know y'all are like, oh, Poggy, crazy filming. Uh, but like, I think the sepia filter honestly, like, kills it quite a bit for me. Because uh, it makes some oh, of I them love look it. weird. It oh, makes some the of them look weird to me. <laughs> But uh, the the military parts of this episode really feel like it's straight from like U.S. military propaganda in the 2000s that you were watching in theaters. Oh, there's definitely an element of that. But we've had so much of that in recent Power Rangers seasons that I'm willing to kind of overlook at least a little bit of it. It does at a certain point demerit slightly, especially some of the like stuff that comes a little later. But yeah, I don't know. I think well, overall I'm able to get past most of it. And I love the sepia filter because it's that Mad Max George Miller thing, you know? We're trying to have that vibe. And, like, it's a little goofy, but considering that this is the Power Rangers, they actually did a pretty good job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, for Power Rangers, it's pretty good. And as far as, like, uh, the society that they have, it seems way less fascist than the other one the what was the last one i watched the um spd spd it seems this society seems like uh, at least because it's been ground down to such a small nub uh there's not not as much like oppression and another thing is like the main the main guy uh dylan it doesn't buy into any of this bullshit and he's super cool 
and he's yeah. so much cooler than the other ones. In the in the other in the pr- prior one, I'm sorry, I keep forgetting the name. It felt like the uh, the two kid the two ones were like criminals. They were supposed to be like treat. They were like bad people or something like that kind of, and they mm-hmm. had to prove themselves. In this one, Dylan's just like fuck you, and he's always right. Like he doesn't have to prove <laughs> himself. So it it seems like they they're just sheltered in their little cocoon while dylan even like the other guy like the funny guy like he is more resourceful yeah ziggy he's more resourceful than the sheltered people so even like it doesn't seem to there's not it feels like to me it's suggesting that like the people on the wasteland actually are like tougher and more badass than the uh, military guys being able, I mean, being able to survive out in the wasteland, I guess, would inherently make you more resourceful than someone who's stuck in the base city, right? On the front line of defenses. Yeah, so actually, let's get into that. So the show jumps ahead by, I believe, a year. So the, the, the dome closes and a year passes. And there are some people outside the city doing their thing, like we're saying. And Dylan is just this badass dude riding around in several tons of detroit muscle just doing he's his thing. so cool he is the coolest he I, he is the only cool power ranger i think there's been i think maybe zach was kind of cool for, kind of if you were like under 14 but dylan is just cool he's just a, like a cool badass guy i think he is legitimately cooler than tom hardy was playing matt max like he is more like mel gibson than tom hardy is i think that's fairly undeniable he's just a cool good looking guy you want to root for him he's sarcastic but not you know annoyingly so uh he has a moral compass like he's just a cool guy like if they like i swear to god if george miller had cast him in fury road i wouldn't be mad i this guy i would be like you know what that's a mad max to me great casting uh, you know what i'm i'm actually in agreement on this the more you say it the more true it feels. I just now I want it. Let's get this guy in the next Mad Max movie. <laughs> See, to me, he looks like the main actor from uh, Highlander, and I hate that fucking movie. So it just keeps reminding me of that movie when I look at him. Oh, Christopher Lambert. Well, here's the thing, though. Even if you hate Christopher Lambert, you have to. You can't deny he's an undeniable B movie action star. Star. So if he has, if he, if he reminds you of Lambert, uh, he should be featured in something. He should be starring in something. <laughs> You're not wrong. <laughs> I, I mean, last last season we had a perfect Anakin Skywalker. So it, it's uh. it's crazy what this show will produce. It's, it always pisses me off because it seems like this, these shows have so many great young actors, but then, and you just assume that, oh, they'll go on to do something cool immediately next. They'll be in some cool horror movie or maybe some superhero movie, but that never seems to happen for them. It's pretty rare. I will say this season is one of the few exceptions. I have to look into Dylan in particular, but I did already note that a couple of the actors had actually gone on to have real careers after this. So that's cool because that doesn't always happen with the Power Rangers. Um, but in seems, particular, it, is there any reason why it seems almost like deliberate, like they're blackballed? Because I know, well, certainly the uh, first three were kind of blackballed because they uh, quit the show over pay issues. But it just seemed like they're they're young, they're attractive. 
they're known. Why don't they get booked in the other stuff for the young, attractive people? I agree. I think there's definitely some weird stuff to it. I have a, a few different speculative theories, but I can't really say that any of it is 100% true. Um, I do think that... Uh, well, this is called Truther Club. Yeah, well, I, I do think, though, uh, if I'm going to speculate, that I think that they get treated a little like daytime soap stars. Mm. And anybody who watches like daytime television knows that there are some people on those shows that are great, phenomenal talents. Um, just because those shows suck doesn't mean that nobody with amazing talent ever tries out for them. Um, I will also say it's a uniquely like American centric viewpoint just because uh, there is a couple of like actors and actresses, I believe, when they transitioned over to New Zealand that became like New Zealand TV, TV and movie stars, I believe, because there was that uh, Greenpeace uh, activist in the Dino Thunder series. It's like a national television star in New Zealand, which is crazy. <laughs> yeah, oh, but being cool. like a being like a national TV star in New Zealand is like being a podcaster in America. Okay, <laughs> it's not that big. You're of not a deal. wrong. <laughs> You're not wrong, but like at least the no, last. No, I I'm I'm messing. I'm messing. But yeah, no, some of some of them did go on to do their thing in their own way. And I will say, like, there have been cases where a couple of them are really like into like stage acting or something like mm. that, you know, and prominent in that field. And the Power Rangers was like a foray into something else for them, especially some of the villains are like that. So, Sorry, you know, I, I was just thinking of the little, one that but... went to the Church of Scientology. Sorry. Oh, let's not <laughs> get in. <laughs> All right. So, Pink so Ranger Dylan, in the Dylan's bio. riding around in the desert and he's just having some times. He fights robots sometimes, he waters flowers sometimes, um, he likes lollipops. Uh, and, uh, he's a badass and he runs across this guy, Ziggy and Ziggy is like, he's actually a well done character of this type, which amazes me because the power Rangers struggles with this stuff a lot, but he's like this sort of manic fraying at the edges, hard to like pin down kind of guy that at first you're not sure if you can trust but then you get to know him for 10 minutes and you're like actually this guy's ride or die he's my yeah, homie <laughs> for real for real i was like oh here we go here here comes the goofy stuff i was like no ziggy's actually cool like i'm actually down with with ziggy i'm i diggy the ziggy he's what he's one of the better versions of this character uh that you get every so often they pull it off it's like a goofier version of Xander. Like if Xander was like less yeah. reserved. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's really good. I, yeah, I'm very I, appreciative of it. I, I, I actually have to agree. And definitely at first I was like, mm, we'll see where this character goes. But then, I don't know, it was about like pretty, maybe even close to the end of this episode. But I was still like relatively close to the end of this episode. I was like, huh, Ziggy's actually kind of a... A cool character, I think. I think this yeah, character's gonna pay off. Yeah, Ziggy's a homie. <laughs> um, so Ziggy tries to hold up Dylan for his car, but he doesn't have a gun, he has a muffler, and Dylan figures this out immediately because he's too badass for a trick like that. <laughs> 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 and so, uh, 
through like a wacky series of events, they just end up getting in the car together because Ziggy's able to convince him, listen, you want to get into Corinth, maybe. I can get us in there. So maybe you don't trust me yet, but let's try to make amends for what I did back there and move on because I can get us into Corinth. And Dylan's like, all right, fine. But then it becomes a you're trapped in here with me thing as Ziggy slowly realizes that Dylan's got way more screws loose than he does. (laughs) (laughs) You could tell he's just kind of used to being the most eccentric person in conversations. But then it's like he just met like Weird Al Yankovic in person (laughs) or something, you know? And it's like, whoa, this guy's way zanier than me. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> yeah, he's, he's always carrying, he's always sucking on a lollipop for some reason. And it looks like he has a cigar. And it's to, it's, it looks like he has a cigarette. And it's, it makes him even cooler, actually. <laughs> yeah. So uh, they've got to run the blockade to get into the building. As we, as we mentioned, it's been about a year since Corinth was sealed in. And so the robots have built this blockade on the outside to prevent people living in the wasteland from trying to get in. Um, Which is interesting because it does suggest, hmm, this is a problem. There's probably other interesting characters in the wasteland. (laughs) Um, Yeah, and when the, like, barricade goes up, it looks almost like a little, like, Fist of the North Star to me. Yeah! Actually, it really, like, looked really, like, cool and fucking scary. Like, holy shit, (laughs) how are you going to get through all of this? I was also thinking Fist of the North Star with a bunch of the imagery here. Uh, which is interesting because I also thought that they might have been a little bit Fist of the North Star inspired in the last season. So I wonder if they've got some writer who's really into Fist of the North Star during this era. <laughs> <laughs> so Dylan and Ziggy got to try to run this robot blockade. Dylan's attitude towards this is basically like, I don't care if I die. I'll try anything. And just starts driving towards the blockade, throwing explosives and <laughs> just doing whatever. Things get a little tense when Ziggy drops one of the last grenades into the back seat when it's already armed. But he manages to get it out just in time. They blow up a turret and they get through the blockade. And they manage to get close enough to the city. Um, and the city has this thing called Dr. K that also seems like an AI, to be honest. We don't know yes. yet. <laughs> seems sus. Seems sus, if I'm being honest. Um, so Dr. K tells um, the, the military forces, hey, let the shield down and let these two knuckleheads in. And the colonel's like, what? <laughs> that doesn't make sense. And Dr. K is like, just do it. Trust me. It's going to make sense later, maybe. Makes sense to me. <laughs> Um, when the colonel expresses this fear of like, well, but, you know, some some robots are called grinders, by the way. Um, when some, <laughs> some grinders might get into the city. Um, start grinding on stuff. I don't know. Um, and uh, 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 Dr. K hints, I have a special team that will take care of that. That happens. So the shield gets lowered for a minute and Dylan and Ziggy are able to drive into the city. Um, but sure enough, robots start pouring in, making trouble, beating people up. But who should appear to fix this problem but Power Rangers? Power Rangers. RPM. And, and this is wild because they became Power Rangers off screen. 
this has never happened before. <laughs> like, they always make a big deal out of, you've been chosen for the morpher, uh, Scott, and here's why. It's not just because you're my son, it's because you're a great pilot, and a great leader, and a great friend, and you make a good sandwich, and you tie your shoelaces in fancy patterns, and all of that makes you qualified to be a power... Like. Every season of Power Rangers up till now has had that scene. And here, these three Power Rangers became Power Rangers off screen and just show up already badasses having trained for a year and they just morph and start kicking ass. There is no like, oh, I've never morphed before. Oh, nope. These guys know what they're doing and they just start rocking. And honestly, <laughs> that's cool. <laughs> Yeah, it yeah. saves a lot of time. We don't need to, like, we just know, like, those are going to be the Power Rangers. They're already wearing the colors, for God's sakes. We know what they're doing. Yeah. You could tell from their intro. If you've watched Power Rangers before, you could tell from the introduction of these characters that they were probably Power Rangers. Um, these characters being Scott, Flynn, and Summer. So, uh... You get the, uh... Yeah. <laughs> you get the Dragon Ball Z reaction-style text from, uh, Ziggy. Or he's just reacting. He's like, the Power Rangers, you know who they are? They're right over here. Fight scene occurs, you know, and stuff like that. <laughs> uh, which was very interesting from, like, that perspective, you know, because at least, at least, like, we got to see them in action while he was, like, going on about them versus, like, sometimes what they would do to explain about Power Rangers, which is just like, oh, they do really cool stuff like martial arts and saving people, blah, 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 in, like, a car sequence. But in this case, they're like, we're going to show Antel, you know? Yeah, Dylan's um, like, what's a Power Ranger? And Ziggy's like, it's that. It's those guys that are kicking ass. <laughs> That's a Power Ranger. And, you know, you don't need more explanation. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to complain that they're saving your life? Like, stop looking at a gift horse in the mouth. Pog. <laughs> this ends with the Rangers just doing their thing. Ziggy and Dylan just kind of being somewhat amazed and Dylan just mostly being kind of like a badass about it though and being like, huh, what's going on? I don't know. I was ready to fight these robots. <laughs> yeah, he was really taken without the powers. That's why he's so much cooler than all of them. He didn't even need to be a ranger. <laughs> he really didn't. So episode two, Fade to Black, opens up with um, just basically where we left off. The rangers are fighting. Vengex is like reveals himself at this point and is you know the evil Hal AI we've been hinting at literally the red dot Hal thing. Vengex uh, is like developing better drones and doing all this stuff and really wants to destroy the humans and really makes that clear right away. Uh, so the Rangers are like mostly dealing with the problem, but some of the grinders build this cannon. And uh, they're like basically assembling like a it's like they're assembling like a mortar inside the city or something like that. And Dylan runs it over with his car. Typical yeah. style. <laughs> yeah. This gets the notice of uh, Colonel Truman and Dr. K, etc. Oh, by the way, the high octane Megazord, not the coolest Megazord ever. Let's get that out of no. the way. Not at all. That's not at all. Not at all. <laughs> Why did they furryify the Zords in this one? It doesn't make sense. Everything's like supremely 
militaristic and then the zords are just like ah here's a here's a helicopter with uh rabbit ears or something very <laughs> weird we needed some like light speed style zords or something not yeah this. yeah um this is just uh very out of place feeling but yeah, so the mortar was going to damage the high-octane Megazord or destroy it or whatever, but Dylan stops it. Ziggy and Dylan get arrested right away, though. Uh, after saving their after asses. After saving their asses, yeah. And they, they, they don't just get arrested. They get put in prison. In yeah. motherfucking Riddick space prison. <laughs> they are never getting out. <laughs> People are threatening to kill them as soon as they walk in. This is like a, a, a pit that they're being put in. It's not like a, just like a, a, a drunk sale or whatever. Yeah, it felt like a face-off prison for sure. Like just on like some yeah. oil rig in like the middle of fucking <laughs> yeah, nowhere. Yeah, it, it's, it, yeah, it's the face-off prison, 100%. You got to go in the cafeteria the first day and prove yourself. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's wild. It's a real contrast from SPD, where they're taken off to this cushy holding cell where pretty much only humans ever get held. Um, and even with that, sometimes only, like, certain humans. Um, <laughs> yeah, it's like, no, not here. We just throw you into the regular jail with everybody else. Here in the walled city of Corinth, things are rough, and this is the only jail we have, probably. <laughs> Yeah, we absolutely needed to maintain our carceral state with like yeah. 128 population. <laughs> um, God, it must be so fucking depressing in there. Like they have hologram walls that make it look like they're just still in normal life. Like that's fucked. Yeah, it's pretty weird. Yeah, there was actually... When they first turn the shield on, they're kind of standing in this... I, I wanted to talk about this since you brought it up. They're kind of standing in this area that's a little bit apocalyptic and destroyed looking. And then they turn on the shield and it sort of generates this fake environment around them. And like grass appears at their feet and stuff. And I was like, oh, God, this is so cursed. <laughs> yeah, it's fucked. Yeah, it's so super it's sad and depressing. It reminded me a bit of uh, Aniara, which is this super incredibly depressing science fiction uh, film about a similar situation where humans have to are isolated and they have to live out their lives, like interfacing with like an AI, and that's their only chance to you know interact with nature, just as virtual world because there is no other escape and the ai gets so depressed that it kills itself uh because it, it got tired of dealing with all the human shit uh it made me think a little bit of an anime i watched recently akudama drive where like they spend a lot of time trying to get out of this like dystopian city and it's implied a lot that even though their city is kind of dystopian that basically there's only two cities left in the world and they live in one of them so that's still better than nothing um but they're trying to like get out of this dystopian city and into this like supposed utopian city that exists and then they get there and it's just not it's all like this fake thing where people uploaded their consciousness to this place and there is no utopia and like it's just like that's kind of how this feels <laughs> Like, the utopia that they live in does not feel very real. It is very obviously fake as soon as you tug at the edges. 
Um, and they're just putting up this very thin veneer that, like, things are kind of okay. Um, and the prison really exemplifies that, for sure. So, in jail, um, Dylan and Ziggy get interrogated. And uh, they kind of have different experiences with this. For one thing, Dylan is being interrogated in general by higher-ranking officers a lot. Whereas Ziggy is just being interrogated by what seems like regular guards for the most part. Dylan is part machine. He's Terminator. That's why he's so cool, partially. <laughs> yeah, he's like a, yeah, it's kind of like the plot of a Terminator Salvation where the main guy, the that's the Mick G Terminator. He, and the main guy mm -hmm. is like part Terminator, part a uh, condemned murderer <laughs> for some reason and it's like he's like a, a synthesis and well the original script was going to call for uh what you call it uh what's the john what's uh the savior in terminator what's his like? john jc something john Car it's not john carpenter oh. it's john not john carter John Connor, John Connor, John, John Connor. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, I was like, yeah. Carpenter sounds close. <laughs> yeah, John, yeah, yeah. Jesus Christ, J uh, John Connor. Well, in uh, in the <laughs> McGee one with uh, Christian Bale as John Connor, Christian Bale was supposed to die, but have like his skin placed on the Terminator, half Terminator guy. So that at the end, the lead, the leader of the humans would himself be a Terminator, would himself be a cyborg. And that was their original plan, but they chickened out of it. You know, I think that ending landed into a what-if Age of Ultron issue. If you look at the what-if series for that, there's a Hank Pym one that is basically that plot line during the Age of Ultron uh, event series, if you wanted to read into those <laughs> comics. <laughs> Some real deep comic lore there. Yeah, uh, yeah I mean, this whole... I, I would say for, for Dylan's plot line, it definitely did... I, I'm glad you mentioned Salvation, because I was like, damn, which one's the Christian Bale one so I don't look like a dumbass that doesn't watch films? I kind of... I don't mind that plot point. I think it's fine. I think one of the interesting notes that I wanted to make about this scene was that every guard and I think officer is white. They're all white. Ah. This is they a bring whiter like, season in general than we've had in a while. Almost all the rangers are white. This is whiter than SPD if you consider Italian Americans to be on the edge. <laughs> yeah like ev like there's even a scene with ziggy where there's like eight guards there they're all white yeah <laughs> it's fucked <laughs> yeah I, but it's cool because it's like he beat he he gets in this big fight with all the um other with all the other inmates and it's actually almost a legit like prison fight like it made me like watching that scene i'm like i would have paid like five dollars to see that in a movie <laughs> theater you know back that in the day like in 19 yeah. 1997 like that's that was pretty decent that was have, uh that was like a we have Rorschach to actually even explain that scene a little bit more because they go into the cafeteria and this guy is like ziggy i'm gonna kill you <laughs> yeah and dylan's like not even like sure he's gonna help because of how badass he is. Yeah, because Dylan doesn't commit to stuff. <laughs> yeah, but he and, just uh, can't stand the bully. He just can't stand yeah, the bully. Yeah, he just bully. can't stand the bully. And so the guy who's going to 
uh, Kill Ziggy makes this big deal about this strawberry dessert, how it's made just for him and nobody touches it. You can have any of the other flavors, but, you know, like, that's, that's how much he's respected here in jail. Uh, and so Dylan's just like, okay, that's mine, and, like, puts it on his tray. Yeah. And that's what leads to the fight. And it's just like, that was so, like... That really helped to sell Dylan actually being as cool as he seems. Yeah, <laughs> it was a total John Claude Van Damme like cool establishing moment. I think. Yeah, uh, like you would see him do that, and where where they stick with the Jello too, with that little humor where he puts the Jello on his plate, he beats all their asses, and then he still has it sits down and has his Jello. Yeah, it's really good. So it is a really good fight scene. So they're dealing with this prison nonsense. They're getting interrogated. While they get interrogated, we learn some things about Dylan, um, such as that he doesn't really remember anything about his past. So he also doesn't know how this, like, he doesn't know how he got to be half Terminator. He doesn't know who he is. He made up the name Dylan. Um, we don't know why. And, uh, you know, et cetera, et cetera. Um, Ziggy tells all these emotional stories about his life and childhood and stuff, and many guards come to hear his stories, which was actually, like, kind of a funny plot element. And then eventually, like, they all leave because he's just been telling stories for so long that they're sick of hearing it. And, uh, you know, that's one way to not give up any useful information. <laughs> Probably wouldn't work that well outside of the movies, but it, it's, it's good in a cinematic way. <laughs> And, they play uh, it up. It's fun humor, I think, at the end of the day. And so uh, they basically start trying to convince Dylan to become a Power Ranger. Um, and Dylan's like, eh, I don't know. It's mostly the Yellow Ranger, isn't it? Like, the other two are like, he's half robot. Like, Well, it, those it's two, a but non... then also... I, well, I'd say Flynn's somewhat in the middle, but also uh, it's more so Dr. K is like, Dylan's like the only person that we've come across in a long time who might be able to handle the black suit, which is apparently like really strong and will just like kill a normal person. <laughs> <laughs> it's really like, it's really being pushed by the leadership is what I'm saying on yeah. the Rangers. The Rangers are kind of like, eh, maybe this will work out. I don't know. It's, I'm telling you, it's specifically the Yellow Ranger. Like, the Yellow Ranger is all about bringing Dylan on. Yeah. Like, from the jump to the end, even when they're kind of like, nah, I'm sorry, I don't trust you. Maybe there aren't that many hot men left. Like we said, there's like 120 people alive or something. Yeah. This is probably <laughs> like sure, the newest I'm sure they canonically it's much higher. We're just, but yeah, no, it's just, you know, she just hasn't seen a, 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 a hottie like that in a while. So <laughs> he can kick ass. Yeah. So Summer's mostly like on his side. Scott's fairly against him joining the team, and Flynn is somewhat against, but also kind of like eh, I don't know. I'm kind of a cheeky uh, badass myself. Maybe I'm okay with another cheeky badass. <laughs> <laughs> and so the episode ends with Dylan finally agreeing to give it a shot, based on like certain ideas that he has about what he might be able to get out of it and the rangers giving it a shot after specifically watching him beat up people in the cafeteria and be really good at it <laughs> dylan though of course has one condition for his release because dylan 
understands how to be a homie to a homie. Yeah. <laughs> you say you gotta so, bring Zigster back. You gotta bring Ziggy. You gotta you yeah, you gotta bust you gotta bust my boy Ziggy out if you want me. <laughs> that's that's how it goes. <laughs> He's so cool. He's so cool. I think we jumped over it, but at first even after they're like, oh, we're not never gonna let you out of prison unless you become a Power Ranger. He's still like, all right, I'm listening, I guess. And he still like has to be sold on in uh, the beginning of the next episode. They show him the suits and stuff. Well, he also uh, indicates and, he's like he's like, I could break out of this prison. Eventually. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, how long you think you can really keep me here? Come on, two weeks, maybe a week. <laughs> and, so, and they show him the suits and he makes fun and he, he, there's like a little bit of humor where he's like calls him spandex and k gets mad and k's like there's not spandex <laughs> they're actually yeah. cool he's like they're cool. even even the robots are like embarrassed of how like uncool they are compared to dylan <laughs> it did definitely remind me of like Remember that like late 2000s sort of uh, media critique on superhero movies that like the mainstream media was all like, ah, audiences are tired of brightly colored capes and all this stuff. They just want realism and that type of that type of deal. I think that was definitely like sort of a quip on that for sure. Makes yeah, sense. but the, the the show goes on to just make Dylan so cool that when he by the time he puts on the spandex, you're like, wow, the Black Ranger is actually cool. Like that's just yeah. a cool guy. Yeah. <laughs> Even with all that, because it, it's like he's cool, but he's like vulnerable because he's like weird and he's got a weird sense of humor. And like he hangs out with the least cool dude in the show, like specifically on purpose. That's always one of the most endearing things you can do about a cool guy is make him have just a really uncool friend. Fair. Yeah. 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 So Dylan is like slowly getting convinced. Also, the Rangers are slowly getting convinced to give him a shot. He's taking all these physical tests, and he's crazy strong. He's crazy agile. He has all of the capabilities that you could possibly want in a ranger, et cetera, et cetera. Um, in the meantime, Vengix is working on some stuff. First of all, Vengix revealed that uh, they also have a half-Terminator. Yes. And they um, send her in, but I don't see, like, there's no, I don't think there's any follow-up. Is there any follow-up in the episode? Not yet. Not, not in the yet. Intro. So yeah, Tanaya Seven, yeah, is like uh, is a Cylon basically. Yeah, and you're kind of uh, you're kind of right about that, actually, Leslie. <laughs> I think I'm slowly becoming RPM pilled. I was pretty <laughs> like not on the fence for this, but uh, I think my thing about this though is that you're right. They didn't follow up on it, so why did they do it? Because typically in MMPR fashion or just Power Rangers fashion in general. Uh, it's, we introduced that character, that very same character that we introduced, either that's the end of an episode and it's getting followed up on in the next one, or that's the beginning of the episode and the person appears in there. But really, I think you only get one other glimpse and that's it. But instead it's like, no, they're just building some bigger plots here and just letting it, just letting it hang. Yeah. It's very bold. I actually... I'm slowly getting fully RPM pilled. <laughs> I have to say. Yeah, I think having both it. of you pog at me at once has kind of got me on the other end, being like, maybe <laughs> I'm wrong. These bold choices 
I feel really pay off and it's really not like anything else we've ever seen. And I think that's, that's for the best here. This isn't like Wild Force where they're making new decisions that don't make sense or like a season like that where they, you know, there's been a couple seasons where they break form, but it doesn't work or it doesn't fully work. In this one, they really like broke form, but it's just all clicking. It's all these bold decisions that just, it makes you hungry to watch more. I think that's really what's so successful here. Even at the end of the three-episode intro, which is a long intro by Yeah, we Disney haven't seen standard. something like this in a while. Yeah, they've been dropping like one, two-episode intros. Yeah, that's um, it. Uh, so, long intro by Disney standards, and yet, even though it's long, you want more. You're ready for more at the end of it. Like, it's that good, and it sets up so many interesting questions. Dylan has so many mysteries. Uh, you know, Vengex is obviously up to complex plots to take down Corinth. Dr. K, what's up with them? Ziggy got a green shirt on under that black bleach-stained one. Hmm. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> you know, lots of little hints of things to come that seem cool. So Dylan... He's having this struggle where he's feeling conflicted because he has this other quest that he wants to go on. And also, he feels like because he failed that quest before to protect someone, it seems like, um, that he feels somewhat inadequate to be a ranger just in general. But also, he kind of just wants to continue to try to find that person that he lost or whatever it is. It's a little unclear still, which is fine. It's all murky. Again, very Fist of the North Star. Very fist of the North Star. <laughs> <laughs> Just this hero who won't quite explain, but is like obviously longing for this emotional thing. So Dylan kind of agrees to work with the Rangers, but really he's just kind of looking for his own exit at the moment. And so he steals Scott's Mitsubishi on this basis that they have to vent some uh, natural gas and stuff out of Corinth, there's this split-second window that you could conceivably fast and furious a car through this ball <laughs> of fire. Um, and uh, Dylan's going to do that with Scott's Mitsubishi. Uh, very cool car, by the way. Oh, my God. I love it. Yeah. That's the Mitsubishi <laughs> Eclipse. Big I mean, the, Ma the Mad Max car, too, was, like, just mm -hmm. perfect. Just um, absolutely amazing. Like, Very way cool too cars. good for the show. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> yeah, Red Ranger's car was like, could have been straight out of Fast and Furious. Yeah, so we got a, a, a car that could have been straight out of Mad Max, and then another car that could have been straight out of Fast and Furious in the same show. That's awesome. <laughs> there is fast elements to this for obvious reasons. Even though it does have these sci-fi trapping, there are also a lot of scenes that look like they could be from a fast movie. Like, when they're in the garage, that mm -hmm. lo just looks like fast. Yeah, totally. Early that fast. Like, yeah. That looks like fast too, like Ludacris's garage or something, <laughs> right? <laughs> oh. It's yeah, it's pretty wild. So uh Dylan's planning to do this and he drives to the the location, but Vengix has been up to another plot. Not the Tanaya 7 thing. Again, that's not resolved yet. We don't know what's going on with that. Uh, but actually this other thing where uh Vengix created a robot called something i don't know um <laughs> what was it the villain like, of the week yeah i don't know 
Uh, Generation 9 Amphibious Attack Bot. I just looked it up. This is actually... This is why I couldn't remember. Generation 9 Amphibious Attack Bot. My bad. It didn't have a name. <laughs> um, so... Uh, I, I do want to say the fight scene location is gorgeous. Absolutely beautiful mm. scenery. Uh, Japanese scenery there. Like, uh, made me miss being there, actually seeing it. Just like a nice little... I don't know. It looks kind of like a castle... Uh, near one of the castle areas. Um, but there's mountains, there's trees, there's a little park area. It's beautiful. Really beautiful, I agree. Yeah. Very captivating Sentai footage, and they chose to use some of the best shots of it, for sure. Or at least, well, I assume so. We'll have to watch... Actually, we have to, at some point, watch whatever the Sentai was for this, because I'm going to be too curious now, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Did they have a Dylan that was, like, super cool as well? Like, I want to know. <laughs> oh, by the way, I've been, I failed to mention Dylan's quips. At the end of episode two, when Dylan's finally agreeing to maybe give this Power Rangers thing a shot, he goes, all right, maybe... Do I get to pick my own color? And the camera pans out. He's literally chained to this chair. And he's yes. making demands. And <laughs> <laughs> yeah. that's totally, totally a scene you would 100% see in like a, a pretty decent like action movie. Like that kind of funny stuff. Uh, that That's just a little bit extra care to it. Like taking the time to make the joke a visual one instead of just a quip. I like it. Yeah, it's really good. And uh, the, the episode three also ends with a really good quip. But before I get to that, let me just explain. So Generation 9 bot can turn into water, sneaks into the city's water system, and then starts uh, releasing this toxin that's going to like disrupt the shield um, or something along those lines. And, uh, you know, the rangers need to fight it. Um, they're realizing that they're getting overwhelmed. Ziggy realizes that if they patch through the Rangers, obviously in distress to Dylan, his moral compass will naturally kick in because he's too much of a cool guy to ignore someone in distress. So he hears the Rangers obviously in need. He's like, damn it, I'll go be the Black Ranger and help kick some ass. And he does. He kicks a lot of ass. <laughs> oh, he, his intro looks so cool. It's like the coolest any Power Ranger has ever looked. He's like a he's got that leather jacket. He's got those big broad shoulders. He looks he looks like a like a badass dude you wanna fuck with. And now he's a Power Ranger? Holy shit. Also the Ranger black suit looks really good for sure. Yeah, like, very nice he, helmet. He looks cool. That helmet is so cool with the V visor and everything and the swoop up top and just it all comes together. I don't know. It's really good. <laughs> <laughs> Have we talked about uh, the fact that they use the, I guess, rubber wheels that are on their suits to, like, Sonic the Hedgehog travel around the dome city? We, we have not. That is a thing, yeah. Oh, and that they also use it in fights, and it makes, like, skirt sounds. It's kind of cool. <laughs> <laughs> It's like some Kyle stuff, but I get down with that sometimes. <laughs> I'm just I'm just astonished. Like absolutely astonished that like that's that's absolutely how they get around the city. They, yeah, it, they really do. It's amazing. So the episode ends and this really 
This sold me so hard on everything. The episode ends with Scott checking in with Dylan because, like, they've defeated, like, the big monster and Dylan's been fighting some of the little remaining guys and stuff. Uh, and this is a season where, like, they don't count on the enemies just, like, running away or something. Having one robot loose in the city is unacceptable, which is an interesting, like, difference in how they approach these fights and stuff. But anyway, so Scott's checking in with Dylan. He's like, Dylan, what's the status? And Dylan's like, everything's fine down here. I beat up the robots. And Scott's like, I meant the car. And Dylan's like, over and out. <laughs> just hangs up. <laughs> closes the line. <laughs> and Scott's just like, what about my car? Like yelling in the back. Like, that's... That was just like, oh my god, Dylan really is a badass. He's just yeah. smugly smirking as he just closes the line. <laughs> Incredible. Like, probably the best scene, definitely the best intro ending of a Power Rangers ever. <laughs> yeah. 10 out of 10. Fuck it. Let's get into episode reviews. Um, I'll just say I really, really, I mean, I thought this was really good. The only thing I didn't like about it was all the Power Rangers stuff. Everything else was like, man, this is a pretty cool synthesis of a lot of cool sci-fi stuff done well. They ripped off a lot of good stuff well. Like, I would have loved to see this team do just like a sci-fi channel show. Maybe they did. I might look it up. Maybe they did one of those ones I haven't seen yet. They're halfway decent because... This was just a halfway decent sci-fi show, and uh, I, I dig it. I will watch some more of it, maybe. And Dylan is just so fucking cool. He is just like a legitimately cool character. Very rare. Uh, if you don't mind me asking, what would you rate it out of 10? What would I rate it out of 10? Um, for, I would say probably, you know, for a TV show, probably about a 7. Probably about a 7, like... If you're into this sort of thing, you I would watch it. Like if I think if you like maybe sort of WB type shows as well, like you'd probably be into it, syndicated type shows. I even think if you just like Mad Max, you probably owe it to yourself to at least watch the first episode just to see kind of a nice homage. Okay, okay. Hell yeah. So, so I was gonna come in because Kennedy, like I, I discussed a little bit with this uh with Kennedy. And I will say this throughout us watching this intro, I kept hearing, This is a 10 out of 10 <laughs> ah! from Kennedy. And I'm like, <laughs> I'm, I'm not, maybe, uh, you know, I was very iffy on it. I will say that I do like the fact that this is another sort of American pop culture mishmash put together and layer it with some Power Rangers on top kind of like how Saban was going to end Power Rangers within space because in In Space they took Star Trek Silver Surfer and Power Rangers and maybe a couple of other elements from other shows and put that in into this like sort of American sci-fi epic where you didn't necessarily need to see Power Rangers to really enjoy it now I like Star Trek more aesthetically than I like Mad Max. So maybe that's like my my jive with it. Um, I do think the Mad Max stuff is pretty cool. I like the way it's filmed. I think the cinematography is great. 
it's very hell world vibes like absolutely terrible vibes from from uh the environment that these actors are in just like holy shit when you get into the politics of any of this it's fucking it's bleak absolutely bleak and maybe that you know that's the purpose it's a post-apocalyptic setting uh it hit it might hit a bit too close to home what am i saying though i'm talking about a power ranger show though am i right like this is a crazy hail mary attempt that a nerd got like a good chunk of money from disney was able to be like hey let's make this last one a banger huh and like to the to the point where they did like a neon genesis evangelion style ending to the episodes where it just cuts to black and it has the fucking power rangers rpm and white text over it yeah like 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 the people in charge of the show is like yeah we're making kino up in here (laughs) (laughs) like it's wild to see and if you've definitely watched some of the source material inspirations I think you're going to get a lot more out of it than I did. Um, I do think that some of... I didn't like Highlander. Uh, I didn't like the way the actor uh, looked in that movie, uh, especially when he would like grab the sword and does a weird like cross-eyed face. It just kept reminding me of that <laughs> a lot with Dylan. But I do think it is interesting as you guys make the details, you know, of, of telling me like, hey, you know... Like, Dylan did this, and this makes him really cool. And I was like, you know what? Maybe I am going to pog along with you guys <laughs> about this. Because I thought, and I told Kennedy this, I thought that Dylan was pretty, like, lib-right from, uh, for a, like, a large part. Pretty much all the way up until Ziggy, I was thinking, like, I don't think that they were lampshading enough that he actually has any sympathy towards other humans or anything. And then y'all were putting in the details in there. I'm like, shit, I'm fucking on. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Dylan's you know? a homie. Dylan looks out for people. He looks out for the little guy. He he's kind of has his own shit going on. He doesn't want to get involved. But when you know that when Ziggy was being bullied, he helped him out. When Ziggy was locked up, he felt it, it was his responsibility to help get him out. And when he was given the chance immediately to become like a little Power Ranger, he was actually like. Actually, fuck you. Uh, I'll get, I'll just break out on my own if I need to. What's in it for me? Yeah, yeah. So I yeah. think I will I will punch it up from a six. I was originally landing at a six, but knowing all the details and a couple of the other lampshading elements, I am going to give it a seven. Uh, I think what does drag it down for me, though, is uh, for sure uh, the lollipop shit. Like, I was just like, all right. <laughs> a little too much Disney here. Um, but hey. You know, I think going over the events again, this is why I like the recap to the show to really help parse my thoughts. So I'm thankful that this this whole thing exists so I can examine the the deep cinematography of Power Rangers RPM. Uh, So, hey, shout outs to the educators in the room. Appreciate (laughs) you. Uh, And I am thoroughly owned. I give it a seven. (laughs) Um, I think I'm going to be the most generous. I have to say, in terms of just setting this up against every Power Rangers season intro we've ever seen, in that context specifically, this is a 10 out of 10. Yes. Oh, yes. In ambition, it's a 10. This, this is the best intro we've ever seen, period. Now, that said, 
not everything lands as smoothly, you know, as it could. There's a reason why we talk about Dylan so much. And it's not just because we see him the most. It's also because the little bit that we see of the other Rangers isn't super interesting. I feel like yeah. that's like a little bit of a drop ball that they could have fixed pretty easily with even just one scene of just more human behavior from the Rangers as opposed to like every scene is really contrived around like an issue. That was an SPD problem too. Mm-hmm. Because that was a meritocracy. It's like, oh, how did the squad leader king be? I don't know. Probably because yeah. it was his son. Yeah. yeah, yeah, exactly. I had the same problem, like the main three in that one. They just weren't interesting. There was nothing to hold on to. It's only the rebels that were uh, cool. This one seems like it, there could be potential, like the the Red Ranger has like some kind of issues uh, that he's working through. Uh, clearly, that'll be hinted at but or set up to uh, come down a bit later. Maybe he'll question you know, the mission or something like that. But it, it, but like Dylan and Ziggy were just like enough for me. Like I would just watch a, sh- a show about like two, du- like those two dudes in the wasteland. That's fine. Yeah. Honestly, that show would have been incredible. <laughs> um, so yeah, I think like there's some stuff like that that drags it down. There's some slight cursed elements. This season does feel a tiny bit more racist than some previous seasons already, but it's just mostly like a mood so far. So we'll see if maybe they can bring that back around. But I I worry that there's going to be some SPD style shit in the politics (laughs) just based on what I'm seeing. Yeah, Uh, because a lot of the prisoners were, were Asian, but and they were trying to beat up Ziggy, but you didn't get the feeling that they were necessarily bad people. It's more like Ziggy kind of deserved it. <laughs> so I don't know if that necessarily, like they were in prison, but so was Dylan and Ziggy. So it wasn't like, I don't know, like Ziggy just crossed the wrong people as opposed to them being some horrible criminals or horrible people or whatever. They've certainly done worse in terms of like things that they've implied about people or like ways that they've presented people in Power Rangers. But it was still a little bit. There were some parts of it that were slightly off. And yeah. uh, this yeah, is like a, it's like putting a liberal Warhawk <laughs> in the Twitter bio. <laughs> like, he's definitely one of those types that like imagined this sort of world. I would, I would say, it's crazy. Yeah, there's some, there's some very cursed aspects to how this was. Uh, realized also i thought that there were just a few ways in which they didn't match up all of the themes perfectly um but that said i would still give this an 8 out of 10 um and like i said in terms of just power rangers intros this is the best one this is the best season intro to a season of power rangers that i can remember this is better even than Lightspeed, which was one of the only intros where they really just kind of set things up right, put everything in a row, and didn't fuck with you too much. Better than In Space? In Space is such a weird corner case because it's like, I have to sometimes think about it from the perspective of if I hadn't seen the end of Turbo, yeah, how would I feel about the In Space intro? Whereas this one, I don't have to put this into a context Literally, they text scroll at the beginning and just throw some info dump at you <laughs> just to make and every sure new you episode. Know. Every new episode, they're like, here are the facts. 
right before we jump in, so that way you don't ask any questions. <laughs> yeah, what? Oh, what show is that? It's reminding me of some show, actually, now that you mention it. Uh, <laughs> I was watching some sci-fi show a little while back that was like, every episode would start with that. Here's the situation. Oh, it was um, Space Battleship uh, Yamato. I was watching that anime a little while back. And like, very until like halfway through the season, every episode for the first half of the season just starts with like, the earth has basically been destroyed. Like, you know, it just recaps everything about how bad things are for like 30 seconds. <laughs> yeah. And that's, yeah, that's what we get here. <laughs> well, Leslie, thank you for coming on. Uh, what would you like to plug? Oh, yeah, just please check us out on Struggle Session. You can find us at sesh.show, and you can subscribe at patreon.com slash struggle session or sesh.plus. Also, check us out on Twitch, twitch.tv slash struggle session. We're doing shows most Saturday nights around 10 p.m., a Saturday night live stream, uh, if you will, with special guests and all sorts of fun topics. Awesome. All right. Well, thank you so much, Rangers, and we look so forward to seeing what the rest of the season has in store. Rangers, thank you so much for listening. If you liked what you heard, please make sure to rate our podcast five stars on iTunes and Stitcher. Subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to them. And as always, you can find Kennedy and I on Twitter. I am at Gravcast, and Kennedy is at Kennedy T. Cooper. Stay safe, Rangers. And may the power protect you.